try not to knock your phone off. I can get some of it up here. He'll get it. He's coming. Yeah, just stay up. No, just, just flip-flop down from her. <laughs> and he'll get it all. We're going to have to start here in about a minute. So... Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe your car left too. Maybe. Yeah. I'm going to find the mom.
We ask your blessing upon our study, that you would open the word of God to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <clears throat> and we started last week, we just got our introduction to the book of Proverbs in, and uh, that took us the whole time, so that's the wrong one. If you use the right clicker, it'll work. Okay. Look there at chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple. Amen? Yes. And, and to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Wise men will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. And then, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So, verses 1 through 6 tells us the purpose of the book of Proverbs. And as we studied last time, the word proverb is not just a kind of God's bumper sticker. It's not just kind of little little interesting sayings. It is wisdom with a bite to it. It's uh, Some of these statements are a smack upside the head to you, and uh, rightfully so. They are not just wisdom, but the instruction that's there is like a, a correction or a smack or a, a prod to get us in the right direction. And so... Uh, we'd encourage you to go online to our website and pick up the study from last week. We went over uh, how the book is put together, and we didn't get to a single proverb yet. Uh, we haven't got to a single one yet, so you're, you're up to date right now. We're going to start today with the very first proverb in the book of Proverbs. Everything else has been telling us the purpose of the book. It's wisdom with a bite to it. There are 800 proverbs in the book. You say, we're going to be here till Jesus comes. Yeah, we will be, but, but we're not going to hit every one of them. But uh, we'll hit a lot of them. Many of them are repetitious or saying similar things about the same situation. And so we'll cluster them together. This is the first proverb out of 800. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. This first parable, Proverbs 1-7, is the foundation for every other proverb in the book. If you take this one out, none of the rest of the Proverbs make any sense. Because the starting of wisdom 
begins with a knowledge and a fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so all of the Proverbs are based upon this one proverb. That apart from knowing God, you can know a lot of stuff, but it doesn't make any difference. How many of you have ever known someone that was brilliant uh, in certain topics and stupid, <laughs> dumb as a rock in others? And don't look at me that way. Don't look at me. Uh, how many of you know some people that they were they were book smart, they had all this, but they couldn't no turn sense. a light switch on, you know. Uh, no, no common sense, yeah. just befuddled. Yeah. I've told you the story of my brother Barry, he may be watching. I've told you about my brother, he's the smartest, <laughs> smartest one in the family. And you say, well, that wouldn't take much. Well, yeah, but he was really smart, still is. He's a smart guy. Uh, skipped some grades in school and all that kind of stuff. He's had an engineering degree from OSU. He's worked at Western Electric and all kinds of... He just, he just downright smart. But dumb as a rock about some things. And it, it's a family joke. We, we tell it all the time. Where, especially in cold weather like this, my dad... Uh, was talking with him one day. Barry had just bought uh, a car. It was a 19, I believe, 51 Buick. He was so proud of that car. 1951 Buick. Classic lines and everything. And uh, he even named it. I forget what the name of it was, but he gave it a name. And he treasured that thing and shined it and polished it. But the weather got real cold. And, and Dad said, Barry, uh, be sure and go out I bought a gallon of antifreeze and put antifreeze in the car, in your, in your Buick, or else it's going to be, it's going to have trouble. And so, uh, Barry did. Well, he wasn't that stupid, but it was close. It was close. He came back in a few minutes later and he said, Dad, what, what do I do with what's left? And he says, there shouldn't be any left. You put the, where did you put it? And he says, I filled up every one of those six holes on top of the bed. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oops.
but they're so classic. He was always locking himself out of his car. Always locking himself out of his car. He had this beautiful little Buick, gray and black, it's gorgeous, but he kept locking himself out of the car. So Dad went and got him one of those Heideke things, you know, the magnetic Heideke. How many of you ever had one yeah. of those? The Heideke. And he gave it to Barry. He says, you put a, put a key in there and you hide it so you can never lock yourself out of your car. And so it wasn't long until Barry called. Dad, I've, I've locked myself out of the car. And he said, well, I, I got you one of those hiding keys, Barry. He says, yeah, I put it in the glove compartment. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Smartest in the family, that's well, what our problem is. But you can have all the wisdom of the book of Proverbs, but if you take away the very first proverb, you've got nothing. Because being smart is stupid if you don't put God first. You can be brilliant, but if you don't put God first. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the, it's the foundation of all other knowledge and wisdom. And you leave God out of the equation, you have no equation. It doesn't equal anything. So we're going to start there with the very first proverb. And we're going to spend some time with it because out of these 800 proverbs... Fear of the Lord is mentioned in about 26 of them. So it's a continuing theme. And we're going to look at some of those in the next few weeks of this very first proverb. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we want to look and find out what in the world is the fear of the Lord. I've thrown it out to you now. What is the fear of the Lord? Reverence. Reverence. The word there is uh, awe or reverence or abject terror. <laughs> and there's two aspects to the fear of the Lord. For unbelievers, the fear of the Lord means one thing. For believers, it means another thing. For unbelievers, those who don't know the Lord, it can be a terror. It's the same word in the Hebrew, but different interpretations. I need some people to, we're going to look up what fear of the Lord is, or should be to unbelievers, first of all. The word is pakad, or terror, or reverence. It can mean either, and it's all by context and who it refers to. As a believer, I'm not terrified by God, but I reverence and awe Him. I stand in awe of Him. But the unbeliever, you better be afraid, because He holds eternity in His hands. And you don't want to be on the wrong side of God in eternity. So, I need somebody to look up and read some of these. Second Chronicles, 
chapter 17, verses 10 and 11. Who will do that for me? Okay, Tom's got 2 Chronicles. And then I need somebody to be ready in a few minutes with Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. Okay, March has got that one. Okay, we got a back-to-back team on the, on the table back there. So, 2 Chronicles chapter 17, excuse me, I've messed up already. I've messed up already. It is chapter 14. Let me see. No, I'm right. My bad. I just didn't turn the page quick enough. Okay. Second Chronicles 17, 10 and 11. We'll go ahead and read that. <clears throat> and the fear of the Lord fell on all of the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah, so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. Also, some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver as tribute. And the Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams, and 7,700 male goats. Okay, what is this? This is talking about the people around uh, the kingdom of, of Judah. What did the fear of the Lord do to them? under King Jehoshaphat put the fear of the Lord <laughs> into the nations around. Uh, that's one of the things that's going on right now. Uh, Israel is retaliating against the Hamas to put the fear of God in them. But they're not responding with fear. They're, they're just a mess. We'll talk about that in a moment. But here in this situation... The fear of the Lord fell on the kingdom of the land surrounding Judah. Because of the, the God's hand upon them, others became wary of going against them. And to the place where some Philistines were bringing gifts to make nice with Jehoshaphat. They're here, let me give you some silver. Let me, let me uh, throw some other stuff there. Arabs brought in flocks and herds and 7,007, they were bringing stuff in. You just stay right where you are and we'll leave you alone. The fear of the Lord, the terror of the Lord is a good way to translate Pesach in that way. When God steps in and people become fearful. Can you think of some other places in the scripture where the fear of the Lord caused people to change behavior. We're talking about unbelievers. Egypt. In Egypt. They wanted the children of Israel to get out of town after the plagues hit. They, you remember they, they said, here, we'll give you whatever you want. Just get out of town. Leave us alone. Take your God and your stuff and go. And they, it says they, they basically collected 400 years of fat wages from, from Egypt 
The people said, here, I'll give you herds, flocks. You don't any, owe anything, own anything. You're a slave. But they went out and spoiled the Egyptians. They wanted them out of town. Get out of here. They don't want any more of this God of Israel bringing the plagues upon them. Other places where the fear, the, the terror of the Lord changed people's behavior. When um, Abram lied about Sarah being his <laughs> wife, yeah. you know, so it was, you know, what, have you, what have you brought on, our, on the house? Yeah, the Pharaoh, uh, the yeah. Pharaoh from Egypt said, what, what, do you, what do you mean? What are you doing to me? Look at everything that's happened to us because <laughs> and he said, get out of town. Get out of here. Here, have some flocks, have some herds. Get out of town. Leave us alone. The terror of the Lord affected their behavior towards God's people. Think of some other places. I have one of my favorites, Bob. I'll save it in case you don't get it. Anybody else? Well, when... Elisha saw the armies that mm -hmm. came, uh, and he said, had his servant, he asked God to open his eyes so he could see those servants. So Elisha, they're down in Dothan, and uh, the, uh, the head of the Syrian government said, we... Somebody's ratting us out. Every place, every time we go to attack those those Israelis, they know where we are and they attack us and win. He says, "Which one of you is a traitor?" And they said, it's, "It's not us." He said, "It's they've got a prophet down there. Word had spread. They've got a prophet down there. He knows what you're saying, even in your bedroom." And the the king says, "Oh yeah." He says, "Well, you go get him." You go get him and bring him right here to me. And so they sent out an armed chariot force and surrounded the little tiny burg of, of Dothan. At that time, it's estimated that it was just a small village. And it was surrounded. And the, and the prophet's servant goes out and he looks and, and you know... I. I imagine different people as characters. I think it's Barney Fife. <laughs> and he looks at him. He sees all these chariots and horsemen and everything. Elisha, Elisha, come and look, come and look. Come. You won't believe what's out there. And uh, he says, calm down, calm down. You, you haven't seen what's out there. And he says, Lord, would you open his eyes so he sees what's really going on? And the Lord opened his eyes and because he looked out and he saw all the Syrian army surrounding him. <clears throat> that wasn't what dropped his jaw. It was the chariots of fire with angels, with flaming swords, just kind of standing behind the, the Syrians, waiting on God's signal. Well, so one of their messengers came up and says, we're looking for Elisha. He says, yo, I'm here. Immediately struck him with blindness. And he says, Here, I'll, I'll take you to him. 
And so he and his servant led the, the blinded forces of Syria, the entire army. They followed, pull them in ropes, and took them, and took them to Samaria, to the capital city of Israel at that time. And then he says, okay, Lord, open their eyes. And there they are. And now they're surrounded by Israeli troops. <laughs> and the fear of the Lord came upon us. He says, we're dead meat. And he says, oh, no, no, we're going to feed you. We're going to send you back home. Really? Yeah. You just tell them what happened to you. <laughs> they didn't mess with Israel anymore because of the terror side of the Lord. Now my favorite, one of my favorites is, I like all of these, but one of my favorites is when the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant. They thought it was some kind of lucky charm. You know, remember, uh, Hophni and Phineas, they, they, they thought it was some kind of lucky charm and uh, they took it to battle and they got beat because they weren't right with God and they the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant. They said, look at the prize. We're, we're going to take this thing in. We're going to set it right down in our, in our treasure trove and as an offering to the God Dagon. We're just going to put it right there and let everybody come in and see, look what we did. We took their magic box. <laughs> well, the next morning, the statue of Dagon <laughs> It's like it's fallen down worshiping in front of the Ark of the Covenant. They said, well, this will never do. They propped him back up. They put him back up where he belonged. Next morning they come in. Oh. The idol is down, but his head's gone and his hands are missing. <laughs> they said, we got it. The terror of the Lord came upon them. They said, we got to get rid of this thing. They said, where can we send it? He said, well, let's send it down the street to, to Gaza. <laughs> yeah, to Gaza. Let's send it down the road to them. And they got it down there and a plague hit. Now, I'm not trying to be indelicate here, but every place that they tried to stash the Ark of the Covenant, people in the village broke out with bleeding hemorrhoids. And so the people of Gaza said, we don't want this thing here. <laughs> Get it out of town. And nope, nobody wanted it. Can you imagine? Nobody, the, the terror of the Lord, the terror of the Lord fell. They didn't want anything to do with this Ark of the Covenant. I mean, it was solid gold, you know, all this kind of stuff. They didn't want anything. They, they, Get it out of town. So they, they built a cart and they, they put some cattle with it and they, they put it on the cart and they said, yeah, move it. <laughs> yeah, cow, yeah. And they, they sent it off. And the, you know, the, the cattle were moving towards the, towards the, the, the Israelis and, uh, and you, know, you know the rest of the story. But it was the, the terror of having something that belonged to God that was messing them up. And they, they even, you know, if you read this story, 
you know, with the humor in it. I see the humor in it. Some people don't see the humor in it. But they said, we're going to send it back with, with tokens to their God. And so they, they had golden hemorrhoids, emeralds, on there as an offering. Says, we don't want anything from you. <laughs> and they also had mice because the plague had gone in and bit the people as well. And so they just wanted out of it the terror of the Lord. They didn't want anything to do with the things of God. And that's the, that's the one side where the terror of the or the fear of the Lord falling upon unbelievers affects their behavior towards the Lord and towards God's people. But, and I was, I was interested, I, was, I, I always listen to the radio on the way into, into the office, and uh, uh, one of the guys on the Christian station was, was teaching about this very thing, and he said, you know, there is just no fear of the Lord anymore. The, the unrighteous aren't afraid of God anymore. It used to be a phrase, God-fearing people. How many of you are... Now, Romans 3, 10 through 18. Romans 3, 10 through 18. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Mm. That's a condition today. Yeah. Yes. People that ought to be afraid because they're not walking with the Lord. There's no fear of God in in their in their eyes. They don't care. And uh, it says, as it is written there in verse ten, as it is written. And I'm, I'm, we're not going to hit all of these today, but these are some of the places that this portion of Scripture is taken from in the Old Testament. I'm, rather than have you turn to all of them, I'm just going to take it through you here. Uh, in Psalm 14, uh, they are corrupt, they have done abominable works, there is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there's any who understands, who seeks God. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Another quotation is out of Psalm 52, verses 2 through 4. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor worketh deceitfully. You love evil more than you love good. 
lying rather than speaking righteousness, Selah. You love all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. And then Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20. For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. These are all the scriptures that compile it is written there in Romans 3. We live in a day and time, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I believe we live in a time where the terror of the Lord doesn't exist for many people. They're evil and they don't care. They'll shake their fist at God and say, Hey, if you're really up there, do something to me. That just shows there's no God. No, it just shows God's merciful. We live in a day and time where there's not a lot of people that fear the Lord. Now why is that, you think? What are some, just from what we, we read there in Romans, what are some of the reasons that people reach a place where there is no terror of the Lord in unbelievers' hearts and lives? When they started taking prayer out of the schools, <clears throat> I can remember every morning saying the Pledge of Allegiance and saying the Lord's Prayer. And when they mm -hmm. took that out of the schools, kids started changing because they never got it at home. My son will argue with me about this and say, you know what, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. You're wrong. Well, there was a definite shift yes. in America. <clears throat> a shift in America when they, they reached a decision that they could not uh, embrace prayer or have any teaching. I remember my uh, fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Shively, she read the Bible to us every morning. And uh, we opened the class with prayer. And uh, that was at East Linden Elementary, which was not a, it was a public school in the Mifflin School District. But the uh, but now we have uh, teachers getting in trouble if they have a, a Bible on their desk. Yeah. Uh, you could have you could have a separate room for Muslims to bow down and pray to Allah, but you cannot have a separate room for Christians to gather and pray. Yeah. It, 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 it's a fact. It's a fact. And uh, what are some other reasons that the fear of the Lord, the terror of the Lord, is that people are walking in ignorance? God is still the same God. Mm -hmm. He's still going to judge sin. They just think it's not going to happen. They don't care. What are some other reasons for that? The lack of the fear of the Lord. The media has changed. If you go back and look at some of the old movies and uh, TV shows, they went to church and you know you heard sermons you heard people singing hymns or whatever and now in the media you, you know you don't you don't get that but that was part of the culture you know and it was reinforced with the uh, uh, TV shows and, and the movies and just life in general we talked about this before remember the blue laws here in, in Ohio and other states anybody remember the Blue laws. Yeah. Everything was You're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> Businesses were Maybe I'm older Sunday. than most. 
I know I'm older than most. I'm not as old as Howard, but I'm older than most. But when I was growing up, Sunday was the sacred day. Yes. Nothing was open. You couldn't go out to eat on Sunday because the restaurants were closed. Anybody remember these? What yes. I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you ate at home. You had a family dinner. You ate at home. And you didn't do anything because there was nothing open. It, it was Everything was shut down. It used to be, when I was growing up, nothing happened at schools on Sundays and nothing happened on schools on Wednesday nights because the church had such a presence. The evangelical church had such a presence that they knew we had Wednesday night services. And they didn't have activities on Wednesday night. I never had to face the dilemmas that many of our parents have to face today. That uh, they schedule all kinds of stuff on Sundays and Wednesdays. But uh, the media uh, changed dramatically. And they highlight... I was... I was getting physically nauseous last night watching some TV. It wasn't the program I was watching, it was the commercials that I was watching. And within the space of just a few moments, I had I had to say, honey, we gotta we gotta change channels here. I can, I just can't take these ads. One was for a drag queen show where they're touting dressing in drag and wanting to instill that in young people. Followed by an ad for a new film about homosexual love. You think, how many of you think that that would have gone back a few years ago on our TV? When I was growing up, I know I'm older than most, but when I was growing up, you you didn't they didn't sleep in the same bed mm. on TV. No. No, no. They had twin beds. They had twin beds. Yeah. None of that. None of that going on. And uh, uh, no profanity. Right. There, it wasn't allowed. The media. The news media, all of these things have changed. I was noticing, you know, get up and we watch the morning news and the weather. And it used to be, they said, well, if you're going to church today, now they don't even mention that anymore. If you're going shopping, you're going this, you're doing that, you're going to this display, whatever, church didn't even mention it. It's not even on their horizon. Real quickly, some other aspects of where the fear of the Lord, the terror of the Lord for unbelievers has gone. Satan has simply blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. He's through the, the media has been the probably the biggest conduit. I was I was preaching Sunday about one aspect of this. In recent uh, surveys that they've conducted polls and whatever. More people believe in ghosts and the evil supernatural than believe in God. Wow. 
you mentioned the media, uh, and that that hit a nerve with me because uh, I was watching the news, and uh, I found out that the evil uh, 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 religious people are to blame for Trump winning Iowa. <laughs> it's all our fault. Yeah, it's all our fault. <laughs> My bad, my bad, you know. Uh, it's uh, all of these things. We live in a day and time where where people believe more in the evil supernatural and the devil and ghosts than they believe in God. So, the, there is no fear of the Lord was said to the Romans. And that could have been written yesterday. In our in our in our land, so that's the the negative side. We've looked at some of the reasons why it is it is abated. I think there's a there's another reason that we don't like to talk about. Believers have not lifted up the name of the Lord as we ought. There's a lot of people that don't know anything about the Lord. Or that he's just a bamby-pamby guy that whatever you do is fine with him and all dogs go to heaven and, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. Uh, we need to have fear of the Lord in our lives and the way that we act and the way we live. And when people see us compromise, yeah. that lets them know we don't fear the Lord either. Yeah. You know, so, well... Not going to make it through my one verse today, but uh, for these non non believers, that uh, a terror of the Lord. Now I do find it interesting, though, that when a crisis hits, some of that terror comes back on people. Mm -hmm. I mentioned that also Sunday that I get calls. Man, something bad happens. I get calls from my fringe uh, relatives and associates. What do you think? You, you think this is an end time? You think? What do you think? I says, What do you think? Why are you asking me? They don't want to hear anything I got to say other times. But sometimes situations scare people the terror of the Lord comes back. And they remember things that have been said. Oh, let's let's pray that the fear of the Lord returns. No atheist in foxhole. That's right. That's that, you know, a lot of people pray uh, <coughs> that don't say they don't believe in God, but they're calling out to him, you know, uh, when times get hard. And people uh, change their opinion when the shells are flying and the the bombs are going off. So, on the one side, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. An unbeliever who rightly recognizes that God is almighty and he will be accounted to, they've just had a light come on that can guide them. But for believers, the fear of the Lord, the awe of God, the reverence of God, 
the worship of God, the revering of God, the taking God as the guidance over our lives, that's the beginning of knowledge too. Second Chronicles chapter 19 and verse 9. Uh, uh, 9 and 10, let me read that. And he commanded them saying, Thus you shall act in the fear of the Lord, faithfully and with a loyal heart. Whatever case comes to you from your brethren who dwell in the cities, whether of bloodshed or offenses against the law or commandment against statutes or ordinance, you shall warn them lest they trespass against the Lord and wrath come upon you and your brethren. Do this and you will not be guilty. He's basically saying that the fear of the Lord needs to affect our laws, how we deal with others, what's going on, how we act. Tom, could you punch that? I'm seeing a number of people rubbing their hands like it's cold. And I feel the same breeze coming through here. Oh, I see why the breeze is coming through. Some old man left the door open. And it was me. The fear of the Lord needs to guide us in all of our actions. We shall act in the fear of the Lord. That everything that we do should be in relationship that God is a sovereign God and He's in control. Uh, somebody read for us Job 28, 28. We'll do that one. Job 28, 28. Okay, Sean has got that. Psalm 19, 7 through 9. Okay, Eloise got that. Um, Psalm 34, 11 through 14. Marcia's got that. Let me see. Psalm 111, verse 10. Oh, was that a hand? Or no, you just put your hand up. Okay, Todd's got that one. Okay. Okay, Job 28, 28. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. That's good. Okay. It, you're, you've just wised up a whole lot when you account that God is a sovereign God. You just, the light has just come on. You, you just turned the light on to understand things. How many of you, when you, when you get home... Uh, one of the first things you do when you walk in of an evening is turn a light on. Any of you do that? Why do you do that? Is it the same house that you left in the daylight? Of course it is. But the night, you want some added light. And so we turn the light on when we walk into a, into a room. Because if we don't, somebody may have moved something on us. You know, you know, I've had that experience before. But it's the same house, but the light makes it welcoming to us and we see things clearly. When we have the fear of the Lord, we recognize that 
we're accountable to Him for everything, every aspect of our lives, the light has just come on. And we see everything from that light, from the fear of the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it, it's, you say, well, everything is the way it was. Yeah. But when the light comes on, you see things differently. I know I repeat myself a lot, but uh, that's why I remember it. Years ago, I learned this lesson in a very painful way. When I was up at Heartland, my office was upstairs in the main <coughs> building, and we had a balcony that overlooked the main assembly hall. We seat about a thousand people down there, and uh, uh, so I, you know, I would look out and see things going on. And I was down having breakfast in the cafeteria, and I got signaled on the on the walkie-talkie that I was needed up in the office. And so, in between the cafeteria and the stairs to my office, the shortest route is to go through that main main hall. And I remember that we had just taken down all the tables and chairs in there, and uh, because a group had just left, and we had taken it down, and they had vacuumed it. That's what I remember. I did not remember that I had assigned the staff to put tables up for the next group that was coming in. And they had. So I didn't, the light switch was no place handy on the cafeteria side. And so I took off on a dead run to get to my office. A loud, loud noise was my screaming when I hit the first table and drove it into the second table and the third table and I was found underneath those tables because <laughs> I had knocked them all over on myself. I hurt for a long time. And uh, it's a painful memory to this day because I didn't take time to turn the light on. I assumed that everything was as I had seen it before. But if I'd have had sense enough to turn the light on, I'd have, oh, those guys actually did what I told them to do. I assumed that, the, you see, if we don't, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. The thing, the light just came on. And we see everything in a different light because of the fear of the Lord. Every situation, every opportunity, every conversation, every day of our lives is different. We become wise. The light turns on when we have the fear of the Lord. Uh, Psalm 19, the 7 law, through 9. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Since the fear of the Lord is clean, what in the world does that mean? Pure. 
untainted. Fear of the Lord. We can be influenced by a lot of things. How many of you have ever watched what you say because you knew something about the person you were talking to that they might be offended by this or you watched your words? Uh, the fear of the Lord is untainted. You're not affected by the other things. It's pure. It's clean. It's pure. And we, we need to live our lives not tainted by what the world says and does, but by the fear of the Lord. Well, nobody believes that. Well, I'm sorry, God does. Uh, Psalm 34, 11 through 14. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. This tells me that the fear of the Lord can be taught. Huh. It's teachable. How many of you think it might be a good idea for us to teach the fear of the Lord to the generations that are coming up? And how do we teach it? By living it, by expressing it, by exemplifying it. Uh, Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. It's the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom as well. And so for the believer, for you and I that know the Lord as our Savior, with this fear of the Lord, this acknowledgement that he is God, he is Lord. He is master and ruler. He's king of the universe. And his word is solid and it doesn't. He changes not what he hated. He still hates. What he loves, he still loves. Yeah. And we live our lives in the light of that fear, that reverence, that awe of the Lord. And we get a good understanding because of now, there are over 20 references, I think it's 24, 25, depending on the translation. Over 20 references, we'll put it that way, in Proverbs, just the one book. Out of those 800 Proverbs, the first one that we've, we're looking at today, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, there's over 20 more that talk about the fear of the Lord. And before we get into them, let's look a little bit closer at the very first one. Because every other proverb is based upon the first one. The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You're not going to get anywhere if you ignore God. Amen? So let's look at that first one. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But what does it say after that? Full of despised wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Uh, 
I don't know if you remember the old A team. Anybody remember? Remember Mutt? Yeah, Mr. Mr. T. T. What was his favorite statement to people? Fool! What you do, fool? <laughs> and, and very, very common in the book of Proverbs as well. Now, some people say, well, you shouldn't call somebody a fool. Now, what, the word fool, you know, what, what does it mean anyway? What does it mean to be a fool? Do something stupid. <laughs> fool. What does it mean to fool someone? To trick them. So, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools don't want a thing to do with it. And they are deceived. They are fooled. Fools have been fooled into thinking God doesn't matter. I don't need to submit my schedule to Him, my life to Him, my priorities to Him. I can run my life and then I'll fit God in where I see fit. No. You're a fool. Now nobody takes real kindly to being called a fool. Back in... Uh, the days of long ago, the court of kings had a fool. They called him a fool. The court jester. And what was the job of the court jester? Anybody studied your history? What was the job? I mean, this is a full-time job, being a court jester. Making people laugh. Making people laugh taking their mind off of their circumstance. Hmm. To play the fool, to distract the king from all of the responsibilities. To play the fool. <laughs> Fools are distracted from the reality that God is worth fearing. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools are distracted by, they're distracting other things. They're getting you off the subject. Any of you ever did this when, how many of you remember in school uh, a substitute teacher? Mm -hmm. Anybody remember having a substitute teacher? Mm -hmm. What was some of the games you would play with a substitute teacher? Or somebody, not you of course, but somebody in your class, what would they try to do to the substitute teacher? Distract them. Distract them to keep them from doing anything. You know, you wanted to distract them because perhaps you weren't prepared for the lesson. I know you were always prepared for your classes. You were, you're just good students. But for some of us, we wanted to distract us. We hadn't done the homework. And if we could distract that substitute, for the whole hour of class, we breathe a sigh of relief. Distraction to keep them off course. In college, I had my, my Greek professor. And Greek is, a, is kind of tough to, to study. And uh, 
We knew we were in trouble the very first day of taking a course in Greek language. The Greek professor stood up and said, the first person who says the phrase, I don't know, it's Greek to me, gets an F in this class. He took Greek seriously. Very seriously. And so he just said, I'm just going to let that simmer for a while. You say it, you've just flunked the course. You might as well go home. Nobody said it. And so he was very intent in teaching us the intricacies of how to do all the, the Greek words and all their tenses and pluter, past perfect, present tense of this verb and all that. <laughs> and language, you had to learn all these Greek words and everything. And it was just a, a hard class, hard class. But we learned what we learned from previous students, that if you got him distracted, he was in World War II and was an infantry, infantry man. And if you got him talking about the big war, you were home free for the rest of the time in class. And so we would have different guys in the in the class. See, I was saying something the other day about this, that, and this valley. He said, well, and he'd be gone. I mean, he was totally off of Greek. He didn't, Greek never came back into the, we distracted him and got him off subject. We live in a distracted world today. Yeah. Satan wants to distract us from recognizing that God should be feared and reverenced and awed. He wants to distract us from the word. And so the fool reject the wisdom and the understanding. Okay. We got one verse in today. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Come on now. Let me, let me go a little bit further. Chapter 1, verse 29. Okay. Don't get scared. Just turn down to verse 29 of chapter 1 of Proverbs. Because the fear of the Lord is the subject of this proverb. And it takes the flip side. It says, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. And then it shows some consequences in verse 30. It tells us that the fear of the Lord is a choice. It's a choice. In what way would it be a choice for us to, as a believer to fear the Lord and reverence Him in our life? Why is that a choice? Because God gives us a choice. Free will. We have free will. We can choose to acknowledge Him as God and live in the light of of that reality, well, we can choose to just act like we're in charge. It's my time. It's my life. I can do what I want. I can do whatever I... Well, yeah, you can. 
But you can also choose to live in the fear of the Lord. Uh, look at chapter 8, verse 13 in Proverbs. Another fear of the Lord verse. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Would you just turn to that one? Uh, Proverbs 8.13. What does this mean? What does this tell us about this fear of the Lord? This awe, this reverence, this the beginning of, of knowledge is to fear Him that we consider Him in every aspect of our daily life and our walk. Uh, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way and the perverse mouth. I hate. What does this tell us about the fear of the Lord as related to a believer? Those things are, are, are what God hates. So we're supposed to reflect what he feels, thinks. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, God hates certain things. And if we reverence him, we hate the things God hates. We take the position that God takes against the things that he hates. What was that? <laughs> what? I said he must hate Brussels sprouts because I don't like <laughs> I think we got that one reversed. But <laughs> the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And uh, the problem that we see emerging in the church world today is the church wants to be a feel-good for everyone and not come against sin. Mm -hmm. But if God hates evil and we don't, we're not walking in the fear of the Lord. We're walking in the fear of men. We're walking in the fear that they won't like us or that they won't think well of us. But the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The same thing that God hates, we must hate. Uh, and then he goes on and lists some of the things that God hates that are evil. Pride and arrogance. He's not crazy about those either. And the evil way. Living a, an evil way. And the perverse mouth. I hate because I fear the Lord. I wonder what would happen if believers would begin to hate the things that God hates and love the things that He loves. He loves the lost, amen? He doesn't hate them. He loves the lost. He wants, He's not willing that any should perish. But He hates the sin, the wickedness. And God is looking for a people to emerge that hate what he hates. One of my favorite aspects of studying the book of Revelation is to go through the letters to the seven churches and mark down the things that Jesus says, I hate. I want nothing to do with those. 
And then we need to pose the question, do I hate what Jesus hates? Because Jesus hasn't changed what he hates. Amen? He, he hates him just as much now as he did when he spoke the words to John. The sad thing is that far too often the fear of the Lord has evacuated or evaporated from the life of many believers. And we're more afraid of what society says, what the, our friends say, what our family says, what uh, the legislators say, than to be afraid of what God says and what God hates. Anything else about the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. What else does that mean to you? Anything else? Well, that's all you hear now. We're evil. Yeah, we're evil. Yeah, we're the evil ones. Yeah, yeah we're the problem. I hate you, Pastor. <laughs> you're, you're still not, I don't care. You're still not allowed to come to my funeral. <laughs> I told him about the whistle on your phone that one time. But the, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. It just helps us classify. It is not just a, a positive thing. It's also a negative in the fact that we need to hate certain things and despise certain things. We hate the sin, we love the sinner. And that is an, an important, important <clears throat> distinction. We need to let people know, I, I want to spend eternity with you. But you know what? It's going to be on God's terms, not yours. Yeah. Or mine. It's God's terms. I need to hate every evil or false way, the King James puts it. Um, We'll take one more today. We'll pick up here next time with this one whole cluster of the fear of the Lord is throughout the Proverbs. And it tells us different things about it. Uh, verse 9, chapter 9, verse 10 and 11. What was that? Yeah. 10, 11, 12. That's what I meant to say, but I didn't say that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you will bear it alone. It's saying that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom again. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It's important for us to learn more about who God is and God's ways. A knowledge of the Holy One. How many of you have learned a few things about the Lord over the years? We didn't know it all to begin with. We're still learning about the Lord. A knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Have you ever had people ask you a question, well, why did God allow that to happen? And you say, yeah, why did And uh, then 
You say, well, wait a minute. God didn't do that. People did that. Yeah, but he let them. Yeah, but he gives us a free will, doesn't he? Do you want God not to give people a free will? There's no salvation without free will. The more we learn about the Lord, the more we understand His ways, we want to live in the fear of the Lord. We want to walk in that path. And it makes us wise, not just for ourselves. We're a, we're a better person, a wiser person, when we live and act in the fear, when we're a God-fearing person. That was a, out of the 1800s, that was a, a common thing that you would hear in their literature. He was a God-fearing man. She was a God-fearing woman. It didn't mean that they were terrorized by God. They lived their life to please Him and none other. And we're going to pick up there next time. The fear of the Lord. As you can see, there's a few left in the Proverbs. And we'll get to the next proverb after we hit this this whole wave of learning about the fear of the Lord. We've learned today that it can be taught. And we ought to teach it. And it's a choice. And we ought to choose it. Amen? And it's a way of life that we need to adopt. And it's not just loving, but it's also hating what God hates is the fear. Oh Lord. We're going to stop there for today. We'll pick up next time. And next week at this time, it's supposed to be 50 degrees. So you come in your shorts and flip flops next week. <laughs> I, did, I did get a really nice response. I sent word out uh, on the live stream that. I wanted to visit with some of our people that watch us on the live stream, and I got a, uh, a note back from Earl and Patsy in Florida. Invited <laughs> <laughs> uh, me to come down, so <laughs> I won't be here. No, I'd love to do that sometime, but not right now. Um, I'll probably wait till it's freezing in Florida for you. Because it was raining. They said they were about to drown. Yeah, it was raining. The poor things. Well, in Florida, it rains one minute, and the next minute it's all gone in the sand. But, that's the prayer request today. Prayer request today. Yes? Brandon has surgery tomorrow. Brandon has his surgery tomorrow? Is it? Yes? Oh, um, Julia's, my daughter-in-law's brother-in-law, Spencer, is having him I was trying to figure out who that was. I got the prayer request, and I said, I, uh, I, 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 I didn't know. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I said, well, I was going to write back and say, I'll just pray. God knows who he is. You know? <laughs> but he's, he's like in his late 30s, early 40s, and they did get him to Fargo. And he was in close to Bemenji, but they couldn't get him flown out because of the extreme. But he's having surgery right now to join the Okay. Oh. Okay. Yes. Um, Rita's husband has been having some uh, health problems. He's been praying for Chester. 
Coffin and Jim was supposed to have a doctor's appointment at 10.30 this morning. Okay. Uh, prayers for the uh, two Navy SEALs that are missing in the Red Sea. Mm. Yes. After the Houthi attacks. Yes. Yeah, pray for me and my family. Jim, <coughs> we want to pray for the outreach oh. this Friday and Saturday for helpers and for provision. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're going to do it no matter what. So if it's just a few of us, we'll, we'll do it with a few of us. But the more the merrier. And uh, we appreciate your help and prayers. So uh, if you can't do it, that we understand. But it's got to be done. So you stubborn old man is going to do it no matter what. Because there's a great need out there, folks. There's a great need out there for our food ministry and praying for people. So if you can help us out on Friday, it's an inside job on Friday. Saturday, there's some inside jobs, but we're also going to be out loaded in the cars and blessing people and praying for them. So any help that you can render would be greatly appreciated. I have another one. Yes. Uh, I have a friend, and he's down to David and he's going to start dialysis. He needs a kidney. Okay. And Mark has shingles. Oh. So he's uh, not feeling the best right now. You continue to pray for all of us that at this time we, we should be basking around the Sea of Galilee in 60 degree temperatures with the sun shining and eating wonderful foods and seeing wonderful sights but we're not <laughs> I, I just keep thinking about all of the uh, the unrest that's in that area and so if we pay, pray for the peace of Jerusalem pray for the peace of Jerusalem yes there's still such a oh such a, a hatred against the Jews and the, they're trying to defend themselves and root out uh, Hamas. Hamas, the evil there, but also the Hezbollah and the Houthis and all of these that are yeah. shooting stuff at them. And they, they take it on the chin because they're defending themselves and they want the, the violence to stop. As Netanyahu said years ago, he said, if, if the, our enemies would lay down their weapons, we would have peace today. If Israel lays down our weapons, there would be no Israel tomorrow. Mm -hmm. yeah. I had a text on my phone yesterday, and it was something they wanted me to call uh, Sherry Brown and J.D. Vance and tell them that uh, I uh, vote no on uh, Bernie Sanders' issue about cutting off all to Israel, yeah. aid to Israel. So I called them, and I told them exactly how I felt about it. Good for you. It's uh, the fear of the Lord needs to influence our, our legalities and everything else. In the politics had come into it uh, so much that uh, uh, right now in the Ukraine 
all this money's going in there, and uh, their uh, present is, is crooked. Yeah. And uh, all our tax money is going in there, and he's slapping it in his pocket, you know, shaking hands with Putin. So uh, the uh, the money that we uh, that we got going out right now should be going, I think, just to Israel. And our border wouldn't be a bad place to go either. Well, that's true. There's all kinds of stuff going on. We, we there's no fear. But I don't think that, yeah. that that's just a money issue on our border. Yeah. You know. There's all kinds of things going on. We need we our world's in a mess. And our biggest need would be for the a return to the fear of the Lord, for the enemies of God, but also for God's people, to hate that which is evil and not tolerate it. Well, let's go to prayer today. Can I have several lead us out in prayer? I'll close in a little while. And uh, I do want to thank you all for venturing out today. I know it was a it was a challenge, but thank you for coming out. I would have been real lonely here teaching to the camera. I just appreciate it so much. Thanks a lot for being here. Somebody lead us out in prayer. Oh, Father God, holy and righteous are you, Lord. Father God, we walk in fear, we walk in awe, mm-hmm. we walk in reverence. And we thank you, Lord God, that you have given us a free will to choose between good and evil. Mm-hmm. And Father God, we choose you. We thank you, Father God, for your plan of salvation. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that guides us, and teaches us, and walks with us. Father God, we're living in an evil world today, more so than we ever remember in our lifetime. But Father God, we know that that's not the end. Until the Prince of Peace comes, there will be no lasting peace. But we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Father God, where all the unrest against your people is just being blown apart, Father God. Lord, I pray you today, and I thank you, Lord, for our friends here and our family at Trinity. Father, for the the prayer requests that have been requested just in our room today. Mm-hmm. Ask, Lord God, that you would meet each and every person at the point of their need today. Mm-hmm. That you would show them favor and healing. Simply because Jesus shed his blood that we might mm-hmm. be healed. Father, we praise you. We thank you, Lord God, that uh, you have not forsaken us. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord God, we praise you today. We just praise you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. We thank you, Lord, for the peace of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. You've not left us. You've not abandoned us, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. But you continue. You continue to bless us with your presence. Father, I just praise you this morning. I praise you, Father God, because of Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah.
I'm pretty sure Linda's going to send me 
it's up. Four. Huh? It's warm now? Four. Oh, four. four.
said the senior saints retreat and Branson. Uh-huh. I like the retreat, but I like Branson. And we yeah. usually go and, because uh, Dino's down there. Yeah. You can see him. And, so that's nice. Okay. But I'll start saying, Pastor Ken, this is Shauna yeah, on my see. text messages. Yeah, I, I pondered for a while and I said, well, I'll just pray for it. Doesn't matter who said it, I'll just pray for it. And I'll try to come Friday. It just depends on my. Super. Yeah. Oh my, I got another patient on Friday. Uh huh. Turn this down a little bit. <sighs> just a little bit outside. I'm going to have another one of these. Oh, you're good. Depends on what I'm 